This is Podcast Aha Centre at the Crossroads. Let's talk about mainstreaming PGI, protection, gender, inclusion into our regional disaster management mechanisms. I believe that uh, you've done some cases, case studies on PGI in some of the ASEAN member states. So what else needs to be done, Pak, in this region on PGI and why? Um... It's a great question. Um, And, you know, the more difficult the question, the more important the answers need to be. And I'm certainly not going to try to come across as though I have answers, but certainly try to look at it. I think the whole area of protection, gender and inclusion is a fundamental. You know, I don't actually use the word. You know, there's a couple of words that I try to kind of stay away from. One is cross cutting. Because sometimes we put something and it becomes a cross-cutting issue and it becomes so cross-cutting that we don't actually do anything. Um, This is as technical an area as water and sanitation is. If you take the examples of, I remember during what happened in Palu, when you're building us, you know, housing people in tents or in temporary shelters, you know, you have to protect people. You can't You know, it it has to be part of the exact plans. You have to listen to people. You can't have men and women sharing the same shower area. You can't have people living in areas where there's not lighting. You can't have, you know, we know that domestic violence goes up during, during, um, during, you know, emergency that happened and all that. And, and, And those are things that we have to happen. I'm very proud and very happy that, that ASEAN has taken this on as a bigger issue. We have done seven gender and um, sexual and gender-based violence studies in the countries, and we're going to do additional ones this year, and we're going to publish those studies and, and look at recommendations and look what we can do with them. And the reason is to really raise this issue, and the issue is coming up more. And it's got to be, as I said, it's got to be as an integral part in the way that we develop our anticipatory work, our response work, our recovery work, as any other area there is. Because, you know, it's a, do, do people that are suffering from, from, from what's happened to them because of an emergency or because of some kind of protection issue, do they have somewhere they can go to get help? Do we take care of people that are, you know, immigrants, whether legal or not legal? that are in people population movements that are in our countries, do they have the same rights and are they being protected? Are we vaccinating them as much as we're vaccinating anyone else for COVID because they're in our territory? These are issues that we need to need. And the inclusion one, I think we've talked about, you know, to a degree, people have a right to participate in the decisions that affect their lives. And we have, to, I think that, you know, that we call community engagement and, 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 accountability has taken a big part in Palu. We set up these feedback loops, the the PMI did, where people could say anything from there's a lot more domestic violence happening all the way to simpler things like we don't like the way that you're designing and 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 implementing the implementation mechanism for for shelter response. You know, we think it should be done this way and this way. And so they get included. You get by People have a right to be part of the the decision that affects their lives. And this whole area of gender, we know that women and men are not uh, equally affected or children. We need to make sure that we take steps that they are protected. So we will push that. We push it through the ADMR work plan. We push it through the working group that's in, you know, one of the working groups that 
that, that ACDM has. We will work with whoever it is. It's a major issue for us and within our own national societies. So we're not just looking, even within the Federation, we need to make sure that our policies and are there and the mechanisms to take care of protection issues are there. So I thank you for the question. It's great. I would like to return the question back to you and say, well, what do you think about this? What does AHA see as this issue? Bayan, we all have been shaped by opinions. And the only way, the way I say it, the only way to change opinion is through empirical evidence, through facts, through figures, and through case studies. So I love what uh, IFRC has done because you produce case studies and you show through those studies, facts and figures, and also example and these are actually basic things how we can we can mainstream uh, protection gender inclusion in our disaster relief and disaster management efforts so you've done it for indonesia and the philippines right that um there's i think six that have been done and yes indonesia has been done but to be honest with you Ibu, we have not done enough with those documents. And, you know, one of the discussions that we have with ASEAN is, okay, how do we take this information and make sure that it gets out and influences? So that's one of the things that we will do this year. We look forward to working with you, Pak Yan. We have a new project actually coming up with Canada, and it will uh, look into how we can pragmatically mainstream this the protection, gender, and inclusion into our regional contingency plan, into our ASEAN standby arrangements, into our, in, into our procedures when we're deploying our regional responders, the ASEAN emergency response assessment team. So, uh, well, we have actually some extent included this in, into our mechanisms, but uh, uh, we need to do it uh, more, especially much more complex situations that concern not only disasters, but also other, other threats. Let me give you those two those two examples that I thought were protection and gender. Very different ones. If you recall, not long ago, there was a boat of Rohingya, people leaving the Rohingya area in, in Myanmar that landed on, the, on, the, on an island off the coast of Aceh. Protection. The government of Indonesia immediately vaccinated all of those people that came in. That protected the people that came in and protected the people that they would interact. That's protection. Another thing, you know, we were I, one of the scariest that I got in a long time was when there was the earthquake in um, in Sulu in Sulawesi Barat. If you remember the um, West Sulawesi, West Sulawesi. Yes, it was in West Sulawesi that just happened. Yeah, and we had to send people out, and it was a terrible situation there because. The hospital that was had COVID patients was no longer uh, operable. They had people in the parking area. It was a terrible situation. And I remember for the first time, one of my concerns was working with PMI is we better be careful. We can't just send volunteers in your teams to that area without them being protected. So in all of our programming, we're trying to find this balance between protecting, doing our job, doing our mandate, doing our humanitarian work, but keeping the people that are doing that safe because it doesn't help anyone if they get COVID themselves. So for the first time in our budget items, we have PPEs, we have hand washing units, we have all these different things. Protection, we need to protect people. And I think that, you know, that mentality 
in a very practical way is starting to come, as you said. But we need to push it. It needs to be a fundamental part of what we do. And that's protection of everybody, you know, in all circumstances. So I have a question, uh, Pak Yan, if I may. Uh, as you know, the Ahasana is going to commemorate our 10-year anniversary this coming November. And this podcast is one of our efforts, actually, to document our first decade of action from inception to transformation. That's our anniversary motto, by the way. And as well as to document the partnership uh, journey that we have uh, with uh, partners, including with the IFRC and the Red Cross and Red Crescent movement. So looking back as a partner and as a friend, what do you think the future of our relationship between this uh, 10-year-old ASEAN teenager that is the AHA Center, and the 102-year-old centenarian, you call it, right? Yeah, centenarian humanitarian giant. Like that. <laughs> that is the IFRC. Um, it's a good question, and I think actually we've addressed it to a certain degree during this, you know, the course of this discussion. But, you know, first of all, we have to recognize that it's an important relationship. And like any relationship in the world, it needs to be nurtured and we need to encourage it. And sometimes that means we need to structure it. I think something that we've done a little bit better over the last while is start to structure it and not do things quite as improvised. So I think that that's one thing. We have, we're very similar organizations. We're coordinating organizations. We have members that we have to, you know, we, we provide membership services. We don't determine what we do ourselves, you know, what We have a strategy 2030 in the Federation that has been developed by the 193 national societies. Our job is to implement that. You know, it's not like we do something that's different. And ASEAN and AHA is the same thing. You have a very clear mandate. I think that the future is that we do project work together. I think that it's important. I, I would like to see us actually physically get our hands dirty together more than we have a little bit. You know, so really together do things and not just not just events, but, you know, things in the field, things where we come together, things where we bring people and we go, this is where we can move together. Let's develop things together. Um, we're already working on that. And, you know, um, and I think that, you know, <laughs> we are together with others, perhaps like OCHA and UN are the few organizations that have at a regional or larger level, a coordination mandate, you know, and to push things. And I think we need to come together and say, these are the five things that we want to be together, you know, independent of our own agendas and our own mandates that we do, say that these are the five things that we coincide perfectly in. Let's put some energy into pushing these. It could be innovation on cash. It could be innovation on on, you know, information technology and the use of social media. It could be on creating better standards, minimum standards for ASEAN on shelter or on Watson or whatever it is to really dive into things and to move on to a more, and it doesn't, we don't have to be the ones to do this. This could be on behalf of the Federation and ASEAN. It could be, you know, one member state in the national society that focus on this stuff and do it for us, you know, however. But I, that's, I would like us to, You know, to really narrow, I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of guy that instead of doing a thousand things and just going, you know, five centimeters deep, I would rather do 
10 things and go 50 meters deep and really do a great job on it. And those are the things that I want to find, you know, to do. What about you? What do you think we should be doing together? Well, I have five major areas uh, based on our conversation so far. But so one will be this anticipatory action. And perhaps what we can do is uh, really uh, look into the, the triggers or things uh, required uh, to allow for anticipatory actions to, to happen, particularly for the disasters that can be anticipated, 90% of them, right, that uh, can be anticipated. So that's one. Second, of course, localization, how to get the local actors, including local governments, through the two tracks that we have talked about, the national government track, as well as the auxiliary track, yeah, to promote localization and make our countries and our region uh, more reliant and resilient. Very agree. I agree very much. So it will be PGI, mainstreaming protection, gender inclusion, in a concrete manner, uh, but also in a pra pragmatic manner. Uh, uh, the basics have to be there. And that will have to be for not only for the uh, uh, the current threats, uh, but also the new disaster scenarios that we have. And then uh, number four will be managing international system because uh, while we want to make our countries more reliant on ourselves and our uh, region more resilient, there will be time uh, perhaps in the future that we may still need the summer system, uh, but perhaps not, you know, not everything, but we may need some assistance. And therefore, uh, as a region, as also as country, we need to be able to uh, select what kind of things that we need or to say no or uh, how to basically manage international assistance. So managing international assistance, utilizing uh, your international disaster response law and uh, the good practices that we have in the ASEAN region. And number five will be on knowledge, learning and innovation. And there's a lot uh, we can do on this. And I think we can uh, zero in uh, further uh, on this uh, knowledge, uh, learning and innovation. I think it's wonderful. And I agree with you so much you know and then and take those major areas and break them down into the pieces that you know and it's strategies that we can move those agendas forward so i agree with you and i think that those are the things that will that are reflected even in the in what we're already looking at in the in the admir work plan and and in when we get together and we talk and when our technical team in the office here is talking with the technical team in the aha is looking at how we take these things and really, and really put some, you know, some some flesh to the skeleton, you know, to really make sure that uh, it becomes real and not just theoretical. So, I have to other things, Payan. Uh, I learned and I was uh, advised that uh, in view of the COVID nineteen and the future pandemic, as well as the climate crisis and many other risks in the future. We can only survive, any organization can only survive if we have these two capabilities. One will be this uh, foresight capability, and this is not the crystal ball capability, but more of a capability to anticipate and, and foresee what's going to happen or anticipate at least, right? Uh, not in the short term, but in the uh, more of a medium to long term but also have empirical evidence as the basis for us to invest in it. So that's uh, for SAC capability. And I, I know that uh, IFRC in Geneva actually has a unit 
focusing really on building this foresight, the capability of the organization and helping national societies to do that. And then agility. And that is because uh, uh, the world will be full of uh, more unpredictable things. There will be more black swans in the future. So it is really necessary for us to build the foundation and the, the basic and the fundamentals, right? Things like coordination and coordination, uh, and cooperation. But then at the same time, uh, we, we need to be flexible enough. We, ne- we need to be strong enough. We have to have the, the basic so that when there is a turbulence coming, we will have the necessary muscles to adjust and shift our direction, but also not to fall onto the ground. I agree. COVID, if COVID taught us anything, you know, as institutions, is that question of agility. We were not ready for it, and it should at least teach us that anything can happen at any time. And we better be able to, you know, have mechanisms in our organizations and the way we work with others to be able to deal with it. I'm not saying we need to have an answer. I don't think any of us would have had an answer in March of 2020 and how we were going to change immediately and let's implement it. We all learned as we were going along and stumbling. But you're right, the agility to move to different situations and all that stuff and to be effective and efficient in how we do things. That I think we can do. Well, first of all, I want to, I mean, you know, I was talking with our team and I talk with other people and I just want to say, you know, on behalf of the the IFRC and, 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 and the national societies that form part of ASEAN that we have, we're grateful for all of the leadership that you've shown and the work that you've done. I think with your, under your leadership in AHA, it's been, it's moved ahead. The work has been meaningful and important. You've pushed us, you've challenged us, you've put AHA, I think, into a higher profile and and you'll be sorely missed, but we know that people move on. And, and, and I know that talking to the staff, we just want to wish you well in whatever it is that you choose to do in the future. Now, that doesn't mean I'm letting you off the hook with my questions, because I'm not. I, I'd like to know two things from you, Ibu. I'd like to know what you think is maybe you would like to the legacy of your time here of what you people would, you would like people to remember for what you did, what was in a, you know, what was important. And the flip side of that is what are the things that maybe you didn't get a chance to do and that you hope will continue and maybe get done in a different administration within the AHA center. So those are the two questions that I want to leave you with right now. Thank you very much, Pak Yan. Thank you. Uh, I didn't expect this question, uh, but uh, thank you so much. So one thing is culture. I think it's really important that we maintain openness, open working environment. It's like, you know, uh, IFRC, right? You have this open working uh, environment. You have this openness. Every time I went to your office in Geneva and other places, when I met with the IFRC uh, people and uh, colleagues from the national uh, societies, I always sense this uh, openness and friendliness. And I think we have also that, you know, as uh, one of our core values and, and part of the culture of the AHA Center. And we need to preserve that. 
because our line of uh, duty is already stressful. It's already difficult because we're always responding to disasters and crises one after another. It will be very difficult. And if we cannot work well among ourselves, we don't have this uh, positive working environment. It will be very difficult for us to save others, to help others and to save lives. Second thing, I think for every one of us who, who's working in this humanitarian sector, I think we should be driven by mission. And it's not only the job for us. And this mission is actually helping others, saving lives. And we should be grateful that we, that we have this job, that we have this mission, because we're at a better place. We're the giving hands, not the receiving hands. And when you see people living in evacuation centers or in temporary houses, and you're actually at a position to help them, to protect them, we should be more grateful. And we should actually be driven what else we can do to help them. And it's not what actually the organization or our job can do for us. And if you're driven by mission, any turbulence will not shake us. And the third thing, perhaps, we should not take it for granted. And therefore, you know, I always remind my colleagues to know our history, to understand our history and our roots. Because we built the organization, the AHA Center, the home of One ASEAN, One Response from scratch. And it's not easy, you know, to build an organization whereby our vision, mission, our operations, our standard operating procedure, basically, everything has to be agreed by the 10 countries. But we are able to do it and we, we can actually function effectively. And we have actually translated, you know, the things that have been agreed uh, on paper into action. So if we keep that mission in mind, right, and then we don't take things for granted, we appreciate the history, we appreciate all the efforts, you know, that have been made to build uh, this organization so far, I think we will not collapse. And that also includes the partnership. We have a lot of partners right now. Over the past uh, uh, decade, we have built partnership, including with the IFRC. It doesn't come up just like that, you know. It takes uh, a lot to maintain trust and confidence with your partners, with the member states. So that, I think, need to be preserved and need to be maintained, including the partnership, including, of course, the partnership with the uh, IFRC, uh, because uh, the problems are just too many. In the future, right, there will be too many things that we have to go through. We always need our partners, as well as the member states, in the case of AHA Center, our parents, the founding fathers and mothers, to be with us, to help us to go through this uh, turbulence. Um, on things that I wish I would have done uh, more or I wish the new administration will do, well, it will be the future and governance. I talked about the culture earlier, things that should be preserved. So in terms of the future, well, we have the AHA Center Work Plan 2025 already. So our things to do for the next five years are already laid out in that work plan. It's agreed by the governing board. But I guess it's not only about implementing what has been agreed in the work plan. The future is going to be very difficult. And we talk about agility and foresight capabilities, right? I think we need these two things. In addition to that, we also need the fundamentals we need to strengthen the fundamentals or, or the basic. And these are the things like coordination, leadership, and trust building. So uh, if you have the 
agility and the foresight capability, but at the same time, our basics are strong, like coordination, leadership, trust building, and partnership. I think we can, again, go through any turbulence uh, in the future. And the other thing will be governance. Um, well, you know that uh, Aha Center so far in the past decade uh, has only won one award, and a significant award because it was the same award given to the president of the Republic of Indonesia. We got that award in 2018 by the Straight Times. We are the one of the Asian of the Year, the first responder or Asian of the Year uh, recipient award from the Straight Times Singapore. So it's good to get this kind of uh, acknowledgement from external parties like the Straight Times. And it's also good to get uh, acknowledgement from giants like the IFRC or the UN OCHA or the World Food Program in terms of our partnership, right? And it's not only about you know getting a recognition to get uh, to be congratulated <laughs> on our achievement, but it's it's really about uh, continuous improvement, getting ourselves to be very good at what we do, to be at, at par with others, so that we, we can to deliver results, to continuously deliver results, to take care of our stuff better, uh, like what you said, right? How can we help others if we cannot help ourselves first? And also to be the best regional center or the best ASEAN institution. I hope that AHA Center will achieve that to be the best ASEAN institution uh, in the future. You know, I want to just say as part of the podcast that, yes, we we appreciate so much our relationship with the AHA Center, you know, and but at a personal level, you're a great humanitarian and we I've always very much enjoyed and respected uh, your work and the work that we've done together. And I, I, it's not like, you know, we're never going to, there's paths crossed in all sorts of different ways and all sorts of different places in the future. But just to say what uh, it has been indeed my pleasure to be able to have, have, have worked with you in the, over the, since I've come here and for our organization as an office here to work with the AHA Center. And we still expect great things from it and from its new leadership so make sure you tell their new leadership to make sure that they work with us closely. And, and just a great big thank you from all of us for everything you've done. Likewise, Pat. Thank you for the friendship and thank you for the partnership. And thank you for coming on AHA Center's podcast and for sharing your perspective. Uh, thank you for your time. It's been a great discussion. And I really look forward to meeting you again in person, Pat. Yeah, inshallah. Yes, me too. Thank you so, so much. Okie dokie. And And that's a wrap. This podcast is supported by German Corporation and GIZ.